Hey, karate boy, you think you're something special with all those fancy forms and spinning kicks? Your training won't mean jack against my new hardcore psycho fighting system. And for only $120, less than two months tuition at your crappy karate school, you can buy my 90-minute VHS tape crammed full of fighting techniques that will allow you to disable any attacker in seconds. Let me tell you my story. For 20 years, I served as a member of a super top secret elite military operations team. During that time, I traveled to 12 different countries and earned black belts in 15 different martial arts. Yet the first time I got into a real fight, I almost got my ass handed to me. Then I realized why. All those instructors I trained under knew nothing of what it is like in a real fight. I boiled down everything they taught me to create a set of 15 moves that'll end any attacker in the blink of an eye. I had a chance to test my system one night when I took a wrong turn and found myself attacked by six members of a biker gang. The smallest of them was seven feet tall and weighed over 300 pounds. Yet thanks to my secret fighting techniques, I was able to reduce each of them to a quivering mound of mush faster than you can do one of your karate school's useless kata. Those who were still able to run ran away in sheer pants-wetting fear. So what's it going to be? Will you continue to waste your money learning useless moves that'll get you killed in a real fight? Or are you ready to learn real techniques that will allow you to protect yourself? Order now and put the power of my hardcore psycho fighting system in your hands. Hello everyone, welcome back to The Casual Martial Artist with your hosts, Al and Marcus. So, how is the new year treating you so far? Not bad so far, you man? It's going too smoothly right now, so that kind of frightens me <laughs> because, uh, and hopefully I'm not jinxing myself knocking on my desktop here. For some reason, January just has never been a good month for me, it's like, almost i mean the trend has reversed a little bit in recent years but when i was younger it's like something bad always happened to me in january like right. i said wow. knocking hoping uh <laughs> hoping not jinxing myself but that is not the topic we're talking about today and we're going to be discussing a topic that now when we consider our martial arts backgrounds uh it's a little bit more relevant towards my background i think than yours and that is Traditional martial arts, are they still relevant? Are they still worthwhile? Uh, so first, let's go back to the little skit that I made to uh, introduce the episode today. Now, you probably remember way back when, and I, I don't, do you uh, ever read martial arts magazines anymore, or? I did up in, from about 86 until about um, 98, I'll say. So yeah, pretty regularly. 
Okay, because, yeah, I I haven't paged through one. I've never had a subscription to one. Uh, never right. went out and got every single issue of Black Belt or Inside Kung Fu. Occasionally right. I would. I mean, when I was younger, I would page through them just because I thought they looked cool. But, right. you know, as I grew older, if I, like, you know, sometimes I would page through them. Or I might, I picked up an occasional issue or so if it had, like, a story that I thought sounded interesting. But one of the things I remember, it wasn't unusual when you were paging through those magazines to see an ad in the vein of the little skit that I made to introduce the show today. So do you remember Mm -hmm. seeing those types of ads? I do. They were draped all across the magazines. You know, you couldn't go more than five pages without seeing one of them. Yeah. (laughs) And... I have to say one of my favorite ones, I I don't remember the name of the system, but it was one of those things where, again, the the guy's background sounded almost like something like the background for a character in an action movie. Uh, he right. supposedly the guy who created this system, he, you know, he knows all these different languages. And so he could he, he learned like five or six different languages and he to seven or eight different countries to study martial arts and there was some story in there how he went to some makeshift bar and he joked around with a group of skinheads and or neo-nazis and the smallest of them was like six foot two and you know all like four or five of them ganged up on him but he took them all out and again it just like sounds one of those it sounded like a scene you'd see in like a steven seagal movie or a, a uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme movie and I don't know do you, are, are there any that you remember reading about um I remember one company in particularly particular had about I want to say five or six different artists who had their own videos set out and um you know every like I said every every five pages you had one of these big two or three page adverts for their system or their videotapes so a couple of them actually were by people i i respected so i you know to me they were just condensing what they knew when they were putting out a video for you know almost like a commercial for themselves but you know most of them is basically um they were trying to capitalize on basically when brazilian jiu-jitsu first came out and if you want to go even before that when gq first came out you know, there was a lot of people made it seem more exotic than it was because of the foreignness of it. Well, and plus and it was created by Bruce Lee. So, you know, if exactly, it... <laughs> exactly. But I mean, the people who his descendants in the martial art, you know, they imported a lot of concepts like, say, from Silat, from Kali and Eskrima and from Muay Thai to a lesser extent. So they imported all these foreign influences and they kind of played that up to make it seem more exotic. And especially when BJJ came in, you know, coming from Brazil, everything new and foreign was kind of, you know, promoted as this unbeatable system. So yeah, it kind of um, was the grandchild of that. Yeah. And when you look at it, I mean, the early UFCs were like, like the one where Hoist Gracie fought in and was just dominating everyone. And I mean, I'm not really familiar with as many of the the earlier ones before BJJ became one of the core, well, not one of the requisites, but if you wanted to get, you know, far, if you wanted to do well in MMA competition, 
you had to learn some kind of grappling and of course BJJ became the you know the art martial art of choice right and, and you know I always wanted to pick up one of those videos one of those one of these days but I don't like I said right. since I don't really uh read through the magazines anymore but yeah I think you're right. right it was probably just kind of condensed to like you know even though they make it sound like this is some super effective system you can learn from a two-hour or 90-minute VHS tape. You know, it probably wasn't anything that would seem that unusual or that uh, exceptional to someone like you or I that's had uh, a number of years' experience. Now, right. so that brings up an interesting point, though. I mean, do you think it is possible to learn something like some someone's super hardcore psycho you know, fighting system from a VHS tape. Do you think that's feasible or do you think that's not necessarily the best way to learn martial arts? I think you can go pretty far with, you know, training that way just with your will and uh, dedication. You won't get the kind of um, training you'd get if you have a, a sparring partner, but not everyone's going to have a sparring partner anyway. And if you have it, expert teacher a real expert teacher not just the run-of-the-mill martial arts teacher you know the kind you and i have both encountered that really aren't really what i would consider experts anyway you can go pretty far i mean i've seen people from ireland become get on the bo olympic boxing team and the one guy i saw he was using a bed mattress to punch to train with because that's the only equipment he had so i mean your will can carry you pretty far in my experience yeah, and I don't know. I guess I'm kind of mixed about that because, mm -hmm. uh, see, the – and I guess my whole, uh, you know, criticism of the whole learn by by VHS tape or a DVD or just by watching videos, I mean, while I, I can see how if you practice enough and, like I said, if you have the will, you can mm -hmm. certainly pick up some techniques, but there's still the um, – there's still the whole having someone to practice it on. And then right. also you have to consider, you know, the problem with, of course, a VHS or a DVD, it can't give you feedback. And I think we addressed right. this a little bit when we were talking about the cardio martial arts craze. You know, if you're watching a, a, a video of Taibo, you know, Billy Blanks can't tell you that you're doing a sidekick incorrectly, you know. So you might be right. doing something that's going to hurt yourself or screw up your... Uh, your hips and you have no way to know it until you wake up one morning and it's like, why does it hurt to move my, you know, why does it hurt to get right. out of bed? Right. So again, I don't know, that might be a topic for another day, but uh, I think it's still relevant to today's topic. And that is are traditional martial arts still relevant in a world where mixed martial arts uh, have pretty much, you know, got grabbed everyone's attention. Because um, another, a YouTuber that I watch occasionally, uh, The Pink Man, you know, he had one video where he was talking about how, you know, for a while there were different fads or crazes in martial arts. Like in the right. 40s and 50s, it was usually like karate and judo were the, uh, you know, seen as the, the trend in movies. And then like in the 60s, 70s, it was more or less kung fu and in the 80s, it was ninja, uh, ninjutsu, or ninjas were all the rage. And now, I mean, it's more or less MMA is, you know, the 
the the trend or the fad. So right. let's start by first. How would we define the difference between a traditional martial art and a modern martial art? So what's your take on that? Traditional martial art to me has um, three things that stick out. One is chambering your punches from the hip. Second would be an emphasis on forms. And third would be the ranking in by seniority instead of by, I guess, mastery and, and talent. I mean, you can have somebody who's got a fifth degree black belt and it's only because they've been there long, long enough to memorize basically all, all the forms and techniques, but do they really, really know how to apply anything? Or do they know how to teach anything, really? Okay. And I, I think that's about the same definition I have for traditional martial arts, where uh, the way I always see it, a traditional martial art tends to rely very much on you know tradition. We do it this way because that's how they did it 500 years ago. We do it this right. way because that's how it's always been done. And usually there's a big emphasis on etiquette, you know, which again, you mentioned like, well, and just to use my, myself as an example, the, the place that I do, you know, Kung Nu, um, right now I'm a white belt with two green stripes. And there's a, I mentioned there was a young man there who is like 12 and he's right now, I think, green belt with one stripe so of course when we line up he's you know he's higher you know on he's you know he's in a different position in that lineup than i would be even though i have more overall experience in martial arts now right. do i necessarily think that's a bad thing no because yeah i might and i this is a top another one of those topics i want to address uh, at a later date you know, the whole hierarchy and respect in martial arts. But again, I just see it as a respect thing that, okay, yes, maybe I know overall, I know more about martial arts than he does. But when it comes to Kung Nu, he still knows more about that particular style than I do. So that's why I, I see no problem in that. Again, just as a respect kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, uh, I, also, there's usually, the way I see it in traditional martial arts, there's a bigger emphasis on character and personal development. You know, usually there's going to be some kind of code of conduct, and there's going to be certain philosophies to live by. Now, how would you, right. con how would you contrast that to modern martial arts? Modern martial arts, hand techniques are very much influenced by boxing. Um, there's emphasis on... Uh, being a complete fighter, fighting in all ranges, um, stand up, ground, and clinch. And for some, some systems, even teaching modern weapons, but nothing that gets too fancy, just either sticks and maybe knives even, maybe not, but sticks definitely. And maybe even some advice on where to go for firearms training or how to come by it. And I guess the way I see it with modern martial arts, there's more of the emphasis on the fighting part and less of the emphasis on, you know, the tradition, the, you know, the history, the philosophy, the character development. Now, I'm not, I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with that. And uh, another, because, you know, usually if you go to YouTube and you look up the videos, you'll certainly find videos out there with, 
you know, titles like, you know, a, a keto practitioner gets destroyed by BJJ black belt or, uh, you know, MMA fighter uh, kicks uh, kung fu fighters, butt, things like that. And usually one of the arguments that gets tossed around when in the comments section, I don't know, do you ever look up videos like that on YouTube and go through the comments? No. I... <laughs> Like when, when BJJ first came out, um, you, one saw these kind of videos if you, you know, passed videos around between people you knew. But I never really, um, I don't know, that that was 20 years ago, you know, more than 20 years ago. So uh, since YouTube came out, even before YouTube came out, MMA went from being about a martial artist to be, being fighters and the emphasis I don't know how to say it without you bleeping it out, but um, I just say it. I can. I, the I attitude. Can it was attitude. <laughs> the attitude changed. It was built this more um, kind of macho kind of stuff that I didn't care for. And you know, if you're gonna be, you know, do all your talking, smack talking in the, in the octagon or in the cage, you know, save it for there. I don't. I don't like to see that kind of stuff. You know. Yeah. And, yeah, and and because. Uh... Again, one of the things that you usually saw in the comment section is there are people sometimes bring up the comment that it's not the style, it's not the art, it's the practitioner. So, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that when it does come to martial arts, can, um, I mean, if, uh, let's say, a kung fu fighter goes in and gets his butt handed to him by a Muay Thai fighter, does that mean that, you know, Kung Fu is bad or is it just that the, you know, the guy who was doing the Kung Fu fighting, you know, he may have been, that cat may have been fast as lightning and maybe it was a little bit frightening, but okay. Do you have that song stuck in yeah. your head now? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, okay. No, so I'll oh, go ahead. Right? So if that Kung Fu fighter does get his, you know, butt handed to him. Does that mean that that particular style of Kung Fu that he studied was bad? Or is it just maybe, you know, maybe that uh, Kung Fu practitioner bit off more than he could chew? Maybe he just didn't really apply the techniques properly? Or was it, you know, is it the fact that Kung Fu truly is worthless and useless in a fight against someone who does Muay Thai? Of course, it's going to depend on the individual and their talent. But I would also argue it's the way that kung fu fighter was training if and we'll get into this a lot more when we talk about forms if you were going to fight in a full contact match the way you'd be fighting against a muay thai fighter why would you be practicing forms you know you should be practicing bag work you should be practicing pad work and you should be working on your conditioning and maybe even a little bit of sparring especially stand up the boxing part of it you should or the hand technique part of it sorry because you're going to be boxing if you're Kung Fu. If you uh, check out the arts, um, San Da and San Shu, Chinese kickboxing, you see a lot. Some of them, it's starting to change. They're starting to get into the more boxing type of hand techniques too. But some of the old school fighters still use like the rounder, rounder um, Kung Fu type punches. Okay, hook punches. And so, and... Right. And some of them have had a lot of good success in full contact tournaments. So, okay. you know, I would argue it's the way that... And the, and the techniques they were emphasizing because... If you're going against a Muay Thai guy, you know, you're going to want to keep it simple. 
you're not going to want to do any flowery um, techniques or blocks or kicks or anything like that. No flower fists and bouquet kicks, huh? Right, exactly. Yeah, no. that's uh, one of the guys I used to practice Kung Fu with. That was one of his things, you know, flowery fists and bouquet kicks, basically meaning it looks pretty, but it's not really that effective. So, right. yeah, and... And I guess I've always, I'm along the same thing where for me, it's always been more an example of, you know, it's, and this is a, there was an older guy was that came to my Kung Nu studio uh, once and he was from, um, I forgot the name of it, but they consider themselves like a collective where it's basically people who practice different styles of martial arts and they come together and they just train together. And it's mm -hmm. not really an emphasis on whose art is the best. It's more like, what can we learn from each other? And this gentleman, I think his back, his background was like primarily in Eskrima. Um, so mm -hmm. my, my Kung Nu instructor told, you know, I guess told him that, yeah, I, I, I this student, Al, he has some, uh, he has some, ex, some experience in Eskrima. So when he was demonstrating stuff, I got to be his punching bag. <laughs> uh, so that was fun. But um, no, his, his philosophy was that there's no superior martial arts only superior martial artists. And right. I, I mean, I do think that, well, techniques do play a role in whether someone's effective or not. You still have to, you know, there's still, you still have to keep in mind, okay, what about the person who is applying those techniques? While I think right. it is possible that maybe they're just not applying it correctly, to some extent, I also think we have to keep in mind physical conditioning. I mean, yeah, right. I've got, you know, close to a dozen years experience training and studying martial arts, but I wouldn't put up, my, I wouldn't put myself against someone who's uh, been doing MMA for, you know, only maybe a year or so, because I'm just not in as good a shape as I used to, where someone right. who's studying to be a professional MMA fighter, you know, he's probably going to be in a lot better shape than I am. And, right. and I guess another thing I, way I see it is, okay, what do you think would happen if you took the team that just won the the Super Bowl and put them against a high school football team. Right. You know, who do you think's probably going to win that game? <laughs> right. Cuz they're toast. Yeah, cuz that high school team while they may certainly be very good, they're just you know, they're they only do this as a hobby. You know, it's something that they only do for part of the school year and then, you know, then they go back, maybe they do other sports, but they're still have to devote a lot of their time to school and studying and maybe a you know a part-time job after school whereas that team that just won the Super Bowl you know the even if they're in the off season they have a lot more time to practice and work out um right you know whereas someone who's a professional MMA fighter I mean because right now I just do martial arts as a hobby whereas like I said takes I don't know who's big in the MMA who's big in UFC right now Oof, I haven't watched it in 15 years, so I don't know anymore. <laughs> well, let's just say Hoist Gracie, because again, he's a. Uh, okay. I mean, obviously, I think that uh, you know, if I were to get in a fight with Hoist Gracie, he would probably bend me into a pretzel shape, uh, because, right. like I said, he, it he or you know he does it for a living, you know, or even someone right. like Conor McGregor or uh, Tank Abbott, um, you know, they they do this for a living, so it's something that they have more time to devote themselves to. So I don't know right. if that makes sense or not, but yeah. yeah, there's also a difference between being in shape and being in fighting shape. So that's true. And another YouTuber that I like watching, uh, Martial Arts Journey, 
he also uh, he did a video where he was addressing again traditional and modern martial arts and he always put it where there can be this weird dichotomy because just because a martial art is not that old it can still be considered a traditional martial art uh like he was talking about aikido um because mm -hmm. aikido is not that old compared to some other martial arts but he considered it more of a traditional martial art because there was that emphasis on philosophy and um there was an emphasis on philosophy etiquette. And, and etiquette and personal development as well as the techniques um, where, you know, obviously something like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you know, even though it was uh, based off of older fighting styles is still considered, he considered it more modern because it did focus a lot on practicality. So mm -hmm. I'm not sure I fully agree with that definition. What about you? I think there's some gray areas, but yeah, I, so you would consider Aikido a traditional martial art or not? Uh, no, the the guy who made the video. Uh, I think his oh. first name is Rokas. I don't know what his last name is. Uh, Rokas right. or Rock. Um, but he, he did Aikido for many years, and then he eventually gave up Aikido and started turning to MMA. And he right. had a, you know, he had a, one of the things that was that turning point for him, he had a video where he engaged in a sparring match against a guy who was a prof small-time professional. Well, actually, I don't know if the guy's small-time or if he's more well-known, but a professional MMA fighter. And okay. he didn't quite do as well as he had hoped he would, he would do or as he wanted to do. And, right. you know, that was kind of that waking up point for him. And, you know, he also mentioned that the the comments were not anything that he expected. You know, he was expecting you know, the people who would said they did MMA or BJJ to say, ha, you got your, you know, you got your wimpy little Aikido butt handed to you, you know, ha, 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 ha. And, but it was actually kind of the opposite where a lot of the people who said, you know, hey, I do BJJ or I do MMA, you know, and I respect that you're willing to get in there and, and you know, and test your knowledge against someone else. And he said it was right. actually the Aikido practitioners that were, actually being worse about it they were the ones that are like well you're just not applying you know hey i study aikido too and you're just not applying the techniques correctly right so i don't know to get back on track i'm not sure i necessarily would agree with him saying that modern martial arts only focus on what's practical right. uh because i guess so you know the way i see it is some of these arts like kung fu and karate have been around for hundreds maybe even thousands of years if something wasn't practical, would it have, you know, then that technique probably would have been lost to time. It wouldn't right. still be taught today. So somewhere down the line, someone had to have used that technique effectively enough where he felt the need to pass it on to others. Right. Again, this is a gray area for me because there's some techniques that are clearly like, I don't know if you remember the Taekwondo, have you ever seen the double Taekwondo real quick? where you jump in the air and you're supposedly kicking two different people in the face when you do it. Okay. Yeah. The scissors kick is, yeah, yeah I've seen, I've, right. I've, I've never actually seen someone do it in person, but I've seen right. YouTube videos of people doing it. Right. Now I struggled. It was explained to me at least in class that things like that and, and a couple other jumping kicks were to attack people on horses. 
And I'm thinking, okay, so why are we learning this? And this is the 80s back then. Why are we learning this in, in the 80s when there's no the likelihood of us being attacked by anyone on a horse is very, very slim, you know? Things like that. And blocks where I can tear where I can tell that they were meant for weapons instead of empty hand, there's no practical reason for them in the modern age. You know, it's gotta adapt. Well, Marcus, you never know when you're gonna be uh attacked by someone on a motorcycle. You might have to jump in you never know when you have to might jump kick someone off of a motorcycle. Maybe. I mean they they exactly. do it they do it in movies and video games, so no, but I, I get what right. you mean. Um yeah, I guess I can see how that stuff you're probably not gonna really need to use it, but I think my guess is that they would still uh preserve those techniques and teach them um, more as a show of athleticism because whether mm -hmm. they're effective in a real fight or not, you got to admit it takes a lot of skill to be able to do something like that without, you know, falling on your butt and breaking your neck. And it looks beautiful. And it looks, yes. And it looks really cool too. So. <laughs> right. So to get back to the original question though. So now that we've talked a little bit about traditional martial arts and modern martial arts, are traditional martial arts still worthwhile? I would argue yes. Um, it depends on what you hope to get out of it. Um, if something like belonging to a lineage is important to you, if um, you know you pick up the hymnal as far as their uh, what they preach about philosophy and etiquette, if you know that's something that resonates with you, and if you want to do something that that you can do with the whole family, then yes, I'd say they are. And if you go to a art like Taekwondo, where the tournament system is really, really well developed, if that's uh, important to you, because you know not everyone spars in tournaments. There's weapons uh, categories, forms categories, you know, different things like that, and demonstration teams. You know, if those things are important to you, then yeah, I think Taekwondo still. Or Taekwondo, traditional martial arts still have a very uh, important place. Okay, and and I think you made a really good point when you said that it depends a lot on what you hope to get out of it. Mm -hmm. Not everyone who enrolls in martial arts class is obviously doing so because they want to go on to UFC and become, you know, the next Hoist Gracie or the next Conor McGregor or the next uh, Chuck Liddell. Um, or in the case of the women, the next Ronda Rousey, you know, we're not, mm -hmm. not everyone is doing martial arts for that reason alone. So right. I think that they can still be worthwhile as a, even, well, even if you are, uh, hoping to get into MMA someday, I think it's still good to have as a foundation. And there was a, I forgot the name of the YouTuber that did it, but there was a uh, someone had asked a, a kung fu uh, teacher, you know, okay, can like kung fu or traditional martial martial arts can they still be useful in MMA? And one of the points he made, and again, maybe you'll agree with it, maybe you won't. Part of the problem is if you are limiting yourself to just you know BJJ, judo, karate, not karate, uh, boxing, uh, muay thai you know, there's certain, you're going to be using most of those techniques. Eventually, everyone's going to know how to defend against those techniques. And I would almost argue that I'm sure that a lot of MMA fighters, they know what to do when they are, 
um, you know, when they're in a guard or uh, when someone has them on the ground or they know how to defend against a front kick. They know how to defend against uh, a roundhouse kick, against different types of punches. But if you're studying a martial art that incorporates techniques that aren't commonly used in MMA, if you get good enough at them and you train hard enough, it might give you a little bit of an edge because they might not have ever seen or had to defend against that type of attack before. So again, it might just give you that little bit of edge you need. So I I don't know if there's been enough research on the subject to say whether that guy is, you know, blowing smoke in our faces or if there's some, you know, or if there's well, some... I would argue against it only because the time it would take to master a technique to where you could pull it off in that scenario... I would think that other te- more important techniques would be lacking, like you'd be stealing training time away from something more useful. That only in an MMA, you know, context, mind you. You know, so if you see someone making videos on YouTube or posting comments saying that, you know, you do Taekwondo or Kung Fu or Karate, you're wasting your time. I don't think you should necessarily, and it sounds like you're probably of the same opinion, you know, don't necessarily have to take that as you know, uh, that person preaching the truth because, yeah, if you're not interested in becoming a competitive MMA fighter, but you just want to get, you know, maybe you just want to learn how to defend yourself against a street attacker, or you just want to get in better shape, it is still worth, in those cases, you know, studying something like Taekwondo or Kung Fu can still be very much worthwhile. Mm -hmm. So any final thoughts for today's episode? Just a question. What do you think? Do you think traditional martial arts should be continue to be taught the way they are? Or do you think for them to go forward and remain relevant that they should adapt some of the way their curriculum and pedagogy? You know, that's actually a really good uh, question. And honestly, I think they should make adaptations. The biggest one I think they should make is in terms of sparring. And this is one of the reasons where and again, we've talked a little bit about this, and then there's people that have also addressed it as well. One of the reasons that BJJ practitioners are so effective is they're used to practicing their art against live resistance, whereas in a lot of traditional martial arts schools, they don't do as much of that sparring, or they just do the point-based sparring, where once you kick someone, you know, then you have to go back to your corner, you know, it's like the ref steps in and, you know, you, you, you reset yourself. Um, right. You know, so, which, yeah, which is obviously not going to do you very much in a real fight. So right. I think if traditional martial arts want to gain back credibility in the eyes of the people who doubt their effectiveness, then I think traditional martial artists need to get more, get back into sparring more. You know, because, well, you can be really good at punching and kicking into thin air, but it's an entirely, or against a compliant partner, but it's another thing entirely when you're trying to punch someone or kick someone who doesn't want to be punched or kicked. Um, And and again, as I've mentioned before, that's one of the things I like about the place where I, I do Kung Nu is we do a fair amount of sparring in there. And again, we don't do the touch sparring. It's, you know, we go for usually three minute rounds. Right. Though, and I don't know, Kung Nu is actually kind of unusual. I'm not sure if it would be better described as traditional or modern, because 
I mean, like a traditional martial art, we do have, you know, philosophy and there's a, you know, a, a, there's an emphasis on etiquette and respect in the dojo. Um, we also, again, we have the forms, we wear the karate uniforms, but like a modern martial art, it's really not that old. And also, again, it does. And this is another thing that I think, uh, modern martial arts do that traditional martial arts usually don't is when you do draw upon different systems. Whereas in a karate school, they probably don't teach grappling or ground fighting because, well, karate fighters back then didn't grapple, so we're not going to. Um, but yeah, like Kung Nu, as I said, it does take inspiration from a, diff a variety of styles, which usually you don't see a lot in traditional martial arts. Right. Well, I think we've talked enough about this topic for now. What do you think? Yeah, we've covered it pretty good. Yeah, and one of the things we did mention is uh, forms, you know, kata. And that's actually our, our next show, so I'm actually looking forward to that one because I know this is one of those topics that you and I have very, very different opinions on. So, exactly. So uh, next time we'll be, again, talking about uh, kata and whether those are worthwhile. So with that said, I'd like to thank you all for tuning in and keep those kicks above the belt and below the face. Unless you are training for uh, MMA, then I suppose, I mean, MMA, you can kick someone in the face, can't you? Yes, you can kick and kick the leg. Yeah. And of course, and of course, in a street fight, if like someone's attacking you with a knife, you can kick them in the face too, all you want. <laughs> exactly. Okay. You can pull it off, more power to you, right? Yep. Especially if you can do one of those fancy flying scissor kicks where like, you know, you've got like two guys running at you and then you jump right. up and you do the splits and kick each of them in the face. Exactly. That would actually be pretty <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, okay, take it easy, everyone. Check out the guys over at Eclectic Media Project. They bring you podcasts such as Musically Challenged. Whose podcast is it anyway? Want to hear something interesting? And their newest podcast, page 3.14 News. Check them out on Podbean and iTunes at Eclectic Media Project. On their website at www.eclecticmediaproject.com. Check them out as they are the home with a little something for almost everyone. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio.